Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of the Great Lakes Gridiron Podcast. I'm Editor Connor, and I've teamed up with Benji and Justin to send our listeners a message. Football is back, baby, and there's no better place to catch up on what your favorite Mid-American Conference teams did during the offseason than right here. With only a few weeks left until week zero, the MAC is full of big-time transfers, coaching hires, and off-season storylines, making the 2023 season a perfect time to hop in and start supporting your favorite MAC school. On today's episode, we'll be breaking down some of the key off-season moves each team made while you're busy suffering through regular season baseball. Plus, we'll take a little trip down memory lane to dig up our favorite memories from CMU football from back when we were students in 1920. All this and more on the opening episode of the Great Lakes Gridiron Podcast. And now, Freelancer. Welcome everyone to the first ever episode of the Great Lakes Gridiron Podcast, hosted by uh, myself, Justin Easter, Benjamin Pack, hi, and Connor Russell. What's poppin'? We are only 43 days away from college football. We are 50 days away from true week one. We are 43 days away from week zero, Ohio versus San Diego State. That's the game we care about most on this podcast, but 50 days away from the big slate and the, uh, you know, Michigan State, CMU, and... All that, all those good games. How's everyone doing today? Doing great. Straight vibes from my Can't end. Wait. How do we feel? How do we feel about starting this podcast? I, you know, I know we've talked about it for pretty much all year, and we can finally get it going. I'm excited. All the all the hard work is going to start paying off. Yeah, and the hard work begins. All right, there's a lot yes. to do from this point. Yeah, it's, any yeah, of you guys who've done a podcast, you know how challenging this is, but yeah. it's been fun already. The, yeah. the, the, the talking is the easy part. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but our goal with the our, our goal with this podcast is to bridge uh, information about the Mid American po- uh, Conference. We we love the MAC, MAC and MAC, we, we love it. Uh, we want to highlight a conference that we feel needs more attention than a merely Tuesday, Wednesday night in November. Um, you know, we are the College Bowl champions, best record in college in college football and bowl games, and bowl games matter. For, you know, these SEC Big Ten schools that are like, oh, well, you know, our starters sat out. Hey, it's not about that. It's about the, your class next year. That's what bowl games look for. And if you're winning if you're winning the um, the bowl game challenge, if you're winning the most bowl games, that means your future looks bright. And the future of the MAC looks bright after last year. Um, some of the best football talent has, has come from the MAC ever. You know, and standouts in the league right now are, you know, are Max Crosby, Khalil Mack, Deontay Johnson, Kareem Hunt, just to name a few. Um, we also we also have uh, a lot of great NFL coaches that have come from the mat, like Matt Lafleur and Robert Sala were CMU GAs, graduate assistants. Um, Nick Saban was head coach for Toledo. Um, Urban Meyer came from Bowling Green, and then uh, also Sean McVay. Hey. Actually played Miami Ohio of Ohio, uh, just before 2007. I know we have uh, a few uh, Detroit Rams listeners talking about <laughs> you, Michael Boundy. <laughs> Shout out, Mike. Um, and Tyler. Yes, and Tyler. <laughs> um, 
But, I mean, you know, we've got some, you know, we've got, those are the ones that we mentioned that are active in the league. We've got some historical ones, you know, like Jason Taylor, James Harrison, uh, Greg Jennings, Michael the Burner Turner, who played for my Falcons. Um, yeah. You know, Randy Moss. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest name. That's like Randy OG Moss. Mac yes. right there. Yeah, that's, that's bring, the original Bring Marshall Mac. back. Bring him back. Yeah, bring man. Marshall back. That's such back. a historic school. Yes. We are Marshall. I mean, they got a movie about it. Exactly. Put him in yeah. the Mac. Let's expand. It, look, if the Big 12 can... If, if they can have the West Coast teams someday, like, why not, why not add a couple South teams to the Mac, right? Look, l- listen. Absolutely. Listen. I, I love the name of our podcast, but if they add more teams, we're willing to change our name. I'm you know, We're down. willing to change our name. Atlantic to, Ocean... Whatever yeah. you want. Any body of water. Yeah. Has anything. to be body of water. Yeah, it has to be body of water. You know, to the Mississippi River. We I'm can do down. that. Um, and then the, uh, here's a couple more, too, that we forgot. You know, Big Ben Roethlisberger from Miami of Ohio. Byron Leftwich from said Marshall. I, one of the one of the mo- uh, best highlights I've ever, like, I remember today distinctly is Byron Leftwich getting carried by his offensive line oh, in, <laughs> in yep. the no huddle. I mean, that's maxion. That's pure maxion at its finest. <laughs> Trying to do a, a fourth quarter comeback drive on a broken ankle. That's 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 grit. You don't Plus, see that in the SEC. Yeah, we didn't even mention him in the coaching thing. Offensive coordinator that's and one true. of the future yeah. head coaches in the NFL. That dude's going to get a good job someday. Yeah, I mean, hey, that, that's Maction. Yep. That's Maction. You don't see that yeah. in the SEC. They're yes. soft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't come north to play winter games. Have you ever seen them in a snowball? Look at CMU Western last year. But that, was, anyways, that was a special moment. <laughs> yes, yes, that snowman was awesome on ESPN. But I anyways, wish I could have been there. I, yeah, at the, at the time, yeah, we never really had a true snow game. But okay. let me introduce the team that makes the dream work. Um, I'm Justin, Justin Easter. People call me Easter. Um, CMU alum, massive advocate for the Mac. I love the Mac. I love Maction. I, you know, I'll be sitting down here on a Tuesday, Wednesday, in November, and watch every Mac game there there is that day. And my girlfriend love her to death, but she's like, like, does this game matter? It's like, no, it's two and seven ball state and three and eight Northern Illinois, but it means more. It doesn't me. matter. It, it means more. Sorry, SEC. This means more. <laughs> um, and then you've got Benjamin Pack. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, my, my name's Ben. My friends call me Benji. Um, so I'm also a CMU grad, graduated December of 2016. Um, growing up, my dad was a high school coach, so I've been around football pretty much my entire life. Um, I love, love all three levels of football, love, love high school, um, NFL, love NFL, NFL is king, but college, it just hits different for me. Um, you know, I remember growing up, second, third grade, fourth grade, coming home from usually like rec soccer practice or later and starting fourth grade of rec football practice and there'd be action on like a Wednesday randomly on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night watching Big Ben so I just love love college football love the Mac and uh, wanted to do something like this for a long time and really really excited to finally get going and uh, get talking um, weekly on the Mid-American Conference Connor, take it away. I'm uh, I'm producer Connor, and I've got a pretty long history at the Mac. I come from a, a family that had people go to both Western and Central, creating a little bit of a rivalry. But I got to admit that 
the main reason that I ended up going to Central Michigan with these degenerates was that <laughs> NCAA streak where Dan Lefevre was an absolute god. I mean, the dude was Tim Tebow light for four years, mm-hmm. and he led Central into some glory years. And I got to play that as a kid, you know, middle school and high school. I got to play that in NCAA all the time. And so I was picking, you know, dynasty mode, doing the recruiting, getting to play as Central and using this absolute cheat code of a man to be able to beat down the SEC and all the other big conferences. And honestly, like, I swear that that's a big part of why I ended up at Central. And honestly, it's a big part of why I still follow the Mac so heavily today. You know, it gives you something to do in the middle of the week, but you get some exciting football out of it. We've seen some great games that maybe don't get the same television coverage that we'd like, or maybe they're not showing up on ESPN's, you know, top 10 plays of the week. But there's some amazing stuff going on, and it's it's a really positive momentum right now, and I just love being a part of that. And, you know, now that, I, now that everyone knows a little bit about us and our passion and our drive to make this podcast and make it work, and, you know, a lot of it makes it work is you, got, you listeners. We would love your feedback, you know, like, comment, subscribe on all of our social medias, comment on it, hey, rip us apart, you know, if you don't like it, rip us apart, let us know what we can do better on this, because we want to make this work, you know, we, we want to do this for y'all, like, that, we want this to work, we want you guys to know all about this information about the Mac, but we are going to go, we're going to jump right into the topics of today's podcast, which is 2022-2023 recruiting and transfer recap, new coaching hires, and reflecting on last year's season. Connor, go right ahead. Off-season has been an exciting one for the MAC conference. Recruiting is a big part of every team's outlook of the future, and right now there's some bright futures out there. I separated the entire MAC into four different tiers of how good I interpreted their recruiting class to be. All of our information is based off 24-7 sports and a little touch of rivals in there because those huddle videos are pretty sick. So... <laughs> We've got all 12 teams here. There's two teams who stood out as a little weaker class-wise, and there's some pretty obvious reasons for a couple of these, but our fourth tier, Tier 4, starts off with Kent State. Now, Kent State only has 14 incoming freshmen, and only six of those are three stars. If you're not really familiar with MAC recruiting, you're likely only going to see you know three stars being the peak of your class. There's different categories of three-star, with some being a lot higher than others, but... This class having six is pretty limited. However, it's not like those zero-star guys don't make an impact, right? We've seen guys go from nothing to starters in only a year. And one of those guys to watch for Kent State is offensive tackle Evan Cook. Dude's 6'6", 280, but somehow still a zero-star. He's out of Germantown, Maryland, and the dude's got size for days. 280 at you know high school age is pretty impressive. Uh, a lot of his tape, if you take a look at it, has him play left tackle, and he's just out-muscling dudes. It's not even fair. I don't know if anyone's played defensive end out there in high school and you were like the undersized guy. This guy's a nightmare for those people, and far, I think that's actually going to translate. How far away from Germantown is uh, your hometown? Yeah, so <laughs> for those that don't know, I, uh, I spent my high school, last part of high school, in uh, southern Maryland, and Germantown's a little further out. It's a little west, but... It's not someone that we would have played in the smack or whatever we're called. But he's uh, he's an interesting prospect. There's a lot of talent that comes out of Maryland, uh, especially like that West Maryland and then obviously near D.C., right? Pretty competitive league. So the fact that he was able to show off a little bit being in Germantown, that means something. Uh, plus, the guy did get a two-star bump recently on Rivals, so at least they noticed that he has some talent. I mean, when you're 280 that big, 
you should yeah, be at least size. Min- yeah, you right. should be at minimum at least two stars. You know, and you're six six, right? Even at the worst case, you swing inside, right? You play guard. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's guys like that who make it all the time. I know Central, just because we went there, we know a lot about this, but we took guys from zero stars who had a body, redshirted them, put them in the weight room, and boom, they're out there, and then they get drafted. You know, shout out to Eric Fisher. But uh, after that, we've got uh, Bowling Green coming in at 11th, and this class is actually a big step up, but still not quite close enough to put them in that third tier. They do have 14 incoming freshmen, nine three stars this time, with a few unranked sprinkled in. Their big prospect to watch is big in size. Uh, wide receiver Sean Thigpen, no relation to Tyler Thigpen. Uh, he's a three-star from Springfield, Ohio, and like most 6'4 receivers, the dude is a red zone threat. Uh, he's very skinny. He's only 170, right? But he's a high school kid. What do you expect? It's one of those guys who a lot of his highlight tape is him separating, using his hands properly without drawing flags, which is a huge thing at the college level. I'm just looking at him as a guy who's going to explode someday. And the more I watched him and the fact that he does have a little bit of speed, he's a guy that I really like moving forward after maybe a red shirt year. Just to get that size uh, on. What would your NFL comp be to him? Good question. I have one. uh, All right. I'm going to have to cut here because I know exactly who I'm thinking of. I just have to Google it. Who's Who's the fucking Lions Minnesota guy? That Benji. couldn't separate at the end. Who is it? Oh, um, sorry, no, sorry for you having to look it up. I thought that would just be good content. No, sorry. I had I had one in my head because I was about to say it. The Lions um, Minnesota guy. Um, oh, you're thinking of um, not Minnesota Wisconsin. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I am. The guy who got just got busted. Cephas. Yeah, Cephas. Okay. Could separate to save his life. God, he could not he separate stay at all. Off, stay off the, yeah, so the, he had to use his uh, hands all the time. Couldn't yeah. separate from the cops either, apparently. Well, from or from, from the, the uh, gambling aficionados. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sorry, the cops. Yeah, <laughs> too soon. All right, uh, read me in with that question again. All right, where? Uh, what comp do you see? Like NFL comp? Like who? Who do you think he's most alike? Yeah, so I actually see some similarities to Quintus Cephas. Uh, he was the Lions receiver, former Wisconsin Badger. A little bit different in the size category, but they always use their hands a lot. A lot of people are going to say that's because Cephas couldn't separate. Mm, who knows, right? But the dude was six one. He displayed a lot of similar characteristics. I think this guy's probably got a little touch more of speed. I, th- I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those interesting things, right? Skill position players, you never know. And you never know where you're yeah, going to keep rallying up, shoot. right? He's not someone going to convert uh, to tight end, though. Yeah. Hopefully he stays away from the gambling apps, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Too, right. Soon. Too, too soon. Too soon. It still hurts us Lions fans and probably yeah. those Rams Lions fans or whatever hey, we hey, call them. The Calvin but. Ridley guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Don't bet on the Falcons to win games. This is this is the college football podcast, but this is our year. <laughs> is, it's always our year. I, I drink the Kool Aid harder than anyone. Y'all are gonna yeah. start zero and three. But anyways, anyway, all right. So speaking of threes, tier three, right? This tier's a little bit bigger. We got three teams in here. These classes start to make a little more impact. These are guys I can actually project as having deeper classes that are going to make that impact in two or three years. Granted, transfer portal, right? We have guys transfer all the time, so it's kind of hard to keep a track of all this stuff. But Akron comes in at number 10 with 18 freshmen, 13 three-stars. 
and Cameron Cheatham is an edge rusher from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who's 6'4", 220. And the interesting thing about him is he's only played edge or defensive end one year. He was a linebacker, gained some size, and at the end of that recruiting cycle, he actually got a little bit of interest from Pitt. And when you see a guy getting that late interest, that means the team's hit. Uh, so Akron definitely hit already with that, right? And they were able to keep his commitment even though Pitt was interested. So that's a big deal. He goes practice squad for a year, takes that redshirt year to get a little bit bigger and learn the role since he doesn't have that experience that a lot of other edge rushers have. He could be something, and I'm a little scared of the offensive lineman having to line up against him because he's so versatile. Coming in at uh, number nine is going to be Ball State with 18 incoming freshmen, 12 three-stars. They actually hit the transfer portal a lot, which we're going to get to later. But their prospect to watch is the first quarterback who comes on this list. And he's actually out of California, Caden Somoza. So he's only six foot, and he's obviously a dual threat guy because at that size you have to be, right? And he's someone who had a little bit of a downward turn with his recruiting ranking. He was always a three-star, but it went from that high three-star area to that low three-star area on 24-7. The thing is, the guy had really good tape in 21. And when you still look at it today, it translates. It's that kind of guy who runs all over you in the Mac. And I could see that happening for them. It's going to take some time, though. Yeah, I was going to say Jordan Lynch, man. Pain. Uh, pain, 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 that was, pain. We, we got to watch him dominate Central Michigan. He and, still has the record for most rushers yes, in he does. Mac game. It was against CMU. Wait, 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 wait. Does he still have that over Bird Emanuel he, Jr.? Because didn't Emanuel break that? I, 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 you know, I'm going I'm to look that up right now. Yeah, give me, give um, me that. Because that is an interesting thing I didn't think about when we were looking through the sheets. Because That's for a QB? Yeah, it has to be yeah. a QB rushing. Man, what a crazy game. And oh. shout, shout to Bird Emanuel Jr. That dude's going to show out this year. We'll, He's gonna we'll learn to throw. We'll talk to him more in uh, later, later episodes. But yeah, Caden Samoza, interesting quarterback prospect. I, I think it's gonna take some time for him to get a starting job, especially with how many quarterbacks are transferring into Mac schools. We'll see how that works out for him. Number eight, though, is actually gonna be Western Michigan, which, despite their success over historic success. They actually have a pretty weak class compared to their usual. 18 incoming freshmen, 13 three-stars. They had a few interesting guys. Uh, I think being out in Kalamazoo does help them a little bit, but they got a defensive lineman, uh, Sid Kaba, who's 6'3", 260, Columbus, Ohio. You know, always a battleground state, Ohio, and some great recruits coming out of Columbus. His tape is interesting because he was all over the defensive line in his senior year. And he's someone that I personally think is going to bulk up and play defensive tackle. Probably more of a 4-3 guy than a 3-4 nose tackle. But he's someone who won a lot of battles with double teams. And I think that's a unique skill that you have to learn with experience. So I really think if he learns how to play against those double teams even more, fights through the center and the guard, I mean, the dude could be a really good defensive tackle. Uh, good good hands for his size. That's something that's unique about these high school guys. And you start to see it with the higher three stars, too. That there's a little more technique to the game versus raw athleticism. You guys, you guys got anything you want to throw in? 
I'm sorry. I'm still looking up Bert Emanuel. I like. I'm, That's I'm still cool. I, just, this. I don't want to like. I don't want to own this with a wall of text. But yeah, it's all good. No, it's. I mean, the, the, yeah. This you're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're good. So delving into tier two of our list, this is where the bulk of the teams are going to be, and these are actually pretty good classes for the Mac. Unfortunately, as a whole, the Mac was a little lower on the national scale than some of the other group of five conferences, but still pretty good. And these are some of the better classes. Miami of Ohio comes in at number seven with 17 incoming freshmen, 12 of those being three stars. They are a team that actually relied quite a bit on incoming freshmen versus transfers this year. But Jordan most- Lynch has it. Sorry. Oh, really? Sorry to interrupt it. Yeah, Jordan Lynch has uh, 316 yards. Bert Emanuel had 293 against Buffalo. He, Jordan Lynch had 316 yards. Yes, pain. 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 Oh, pain. Man. October 19th, 2013. That was homecoming for CMU my freshman year. I remember it like the plague. It was... Uh, I remember we we got fucking smoked. But I didn't know he had three hundred. He had three hundred and sixteen. They literally they literally ran the um, NCAA fourteen offense of read option. They literally ran that the whole game, and he got three hundred sixteen yards. Jesus, nobody's fucking stayed home. Sure. They did. They no, they did, and he still beat them. Like like he would he would literally just lower his shoulder and get four or five yards a carry. Oh my god. Yeah, it was not. He scored four total touchdowns that day, too. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was 14-14 at half. It was literally 14-14 at half, and their head coach was like, hey, just run the ball because uh, you're – Yeah, that was uh, NC State's coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk, yeah. And we'll talk about him later. But, uh, but yeah, he so he went 20 for 30 in that game, 155 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and had 32 carries for 316 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, my God. Quarterback with 30 carries. That's insane. Happy uh, homecoming. Yeah. 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 He had he had he almost had more rush yards than CMU had total yards. CMU total yards was three hundred and forty six and he had three hundred and sixteen rush yards. Wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, back to recruiting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I I'm gonna cut it there and I'm gonna put Good. that back where the uh like hey look it up is right yeah so I'm gonna redo the Miami of Ohio intro. sorry for taking so no, long don't, don't worry about that. no. that's good that's totally cool that's an easy edit alright you know he's got more rush yards and um, you can add this too he has more career rush yards than Michael Turner wow wow in, in a, sorry not, not total sorry not total he has more rushing yards in a season than Michael Turner. He had nineteen he had one thousand nine hundred and twenty yards in a season. Jesus. In a two thousand thirteen season. He almost had he almost was a two thousand yard rusher as quarterback. I mean that that is Tim Tebow esque. It, it makes sense though. The Bears they drafted him I or I'm sorry, they didn't draft him. He was a UDFA if I remember right. They took him and tried to convert him to running back. And they yeah. they didn't keep him for the season. He didn't make practice squad. But, probably couldn't throw the ball, but I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now. 2012 and 2012, he had 1,815 yards. So in two seasons, he had 3,700 y- rushing yards. I mean, that, I mean, Lou Nichols, who you know led the league, who led the whole NCAA in rushing, had 18 had 1,848, and Jordan Lynch, a quarterback, had 1,920. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. My bad on that, Connor. Sorry. No, it's actually interesting. He's a uh, head coach of Mark Mount. Uh, oh wow, I gotta redo that. He's the uh, head coach of Mount Carmel in uh, Chicago. 
Oh wow. Yeah, that's a real deal school. Like Yeah. Yeah it is. That's oh pretty God. cool. Yeah, he's been oh there for five years, six years now, something like that. Looking more into it, I mean, we don't have to throw this in, but 2013, uh, there was another guy named Travis Green from Bowling Green State. He had 1,600 rushing yards that 2013 season. And then 2014, really? it was Jarvian Franklin from Western who had 1,500, and then this little guy named uh, Kareem Hunt, we might have heard of him, uh, had yeah. 1,600. Just crazy, Lou had, the like, stats. 1,900? Lou had um, uh, 1,848. Yeah. Just wild. That's crazy. I just cannot believe. So the Bowling Green guy had more? Than what? Than uh, Lynch. Excuse me. No, 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 no. The, no the, in 2013, the Bowling Green guy only had 1,600 yards. Only. Only. Yeah. In 12 games, only 1,600 yards. Jordan Lynch had... 1900 only as a quarterback yeah it says he says he worked at niu after he retired in 17 but it it says in one sentence he was the running backs coach and then the other sentence right after it says quarterbacks coach i mean in, in thanks all wikipedia on, in all honesty like you know looking at this now and and you know it, you can add this you can leave this in connor if you want you can edit it out but i think it's i think you should leave it in um, in 2012, Jordan Lynch probably should have won the Heisman. I know that's wild to say for a uh, for a Mac guy, but that listen is to spicy, these, brother. Listen to this. Listen to these stats. He had 3,100 passing yards and 1,800 rush yards. He nearly had 5,000 yards. Nearly 5,000 yards. He had 44 touchdowns and six interceptions. Yeah, I agree. I think he probably should have won. I mean, he, who won that year? Is that Manziel? No, no, man's no. almost th- 13, right? No, he was 12. 14, he was 12. 12. Oh, Lamar yeah. Jackson was 16. Was he 12? It might have been. Yeah, Johnny Manziel won it. So, yes, I, you know, I get it that it's the whole, like, he had, he, you know, he's in a bigger conference. But Johnny Manziel only had 26 touchdowns. To- well, like, Johnny Manziel won one game that was big, and he kind of got the Heisman yeah. that and went against. I mean, yeah, honestly, I, that might that might be one of the worst Heisman classes of all time. Anti Teo, yes. Colin Klein, like if yeah, they gave it to Johnny Manziel. Jordan Lynch, hey, Jordan Lynch finished seventh, so he did he did get he got three first place votes. So respect to whoever gave our our Mac guy three first place votes because that is nineteen hundred rush yards. Sorry, 1,800 rush yards on top of 3,100 passing. That's ridiculous. That That's dumb. Like, that's yeah. wild. Sorry, back to recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> still to still looking for our first Mac Heisman. Yeah. Uh, okay, where was I? I actually think that's good, though, for the podcast, adding these little tidbits in. Yeah, they're great. All right, I guess I, so I just did Western, right? So we're going yeah. into Tier 2, Miami. All right. So heading into tier two of the, oh, fuck, hold on. Heading into tier two of our recruiting roundup, bulk of our MAC teams are going to be in this tier. Uh, we've got four today, and that's going to be Miami of Ohio kicking us off. So Miami of Ohio has 17 incoming freshmen, 12 of those being three stars. And unlike some of these other classes that we're going to look at, they relied a lot more on actual freshman talent versus transfers in. They had one of the more interesting prospects on my list, and their prospect, maybe this tells you that I have a type, but 
its offensive tackle, Andrew Lowry, who is a 6'8", 285-pound tackle, who is actually from Canada. And the dude is a giant, plus his name is Lowry. What happened the last time Lowry was in Canada? Raptors won a title, right? So that's good mm-hmm. omens right there. <laughs> Thank you for I, the wildfires. Hey, just... <laughs> <laughs> too far uh, wow hey, the hey, air quality the air quality was really bad so thank you trudeau from what, one what justin you, to another what do you guys think this about is that college though? Football podcast it is it, i know sorry so what do you guys think about that six eight two eighty five out of high school oh that's that's per, that's that's a per, <laughs> that's a man tackle he's not 18 that's a man <laughs> yeah but he, he's i mean that's a that is a first first round build yeah, it's going to be interesting because they're probably going to redshirt him, right? You pretty much have to if Fonson's a yeah. lineman. But if the guy comes back, probably a little less weight, right? He's going to slim down a little bit with the added muscle. Like 6'8", we don't get guys like that very often in the MAC. So that's someone that I'm looking at you know, two years from now, three years from now tops as being a starting left tackle and being someone we start talking about on, hey, does this guy have NFL potential? It's a lot to ask from a three-star guy from Canada, right? How many examples of that do we have? But it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And, and what you're saying about the red shirt, too, is, you know, especially in today's age of college football, we didn't see it when we were in college, but you have to be very careful with the transfer portal. You, you have to. So you don't want him to show flashes early and then the bigger schools come in and say, hey, you know, NIL money, this. You red shirt him and then you get, then you get the better result from him the second year. Yep, and that's exactly it. It's it's an interesting conundrum that teams face nowadays, especially us, right? Like we're going to get poached from the whole Mac is going to get poached from by bigger schools. So there's an investment in talent, and you always have to do that. But then there's that like weird situation that comes up of, hey, can I get playing time at a bigger school? Do I have potential that's beyond what my team can carry? It's happened prime a few. Yeah, prime examples: Khalil Pimpleton, prime example from Virginia yep. Tech. So, back oh, to the right. recruiting. <laughs> yeah, I just was pausing after that. I didn't know if we wanted to add. Um, no. <laughs> so, this is where our class. Oh, hold on. So, yeah, I can do add markers, which is pretty sick in this program. I can add a marker that'll tell me when to look at something. So, I've been doing that. Anyway, coming in at number six is exactly where classes start to get strong and that's going to be niu so niu has a whopping 20 freshmen coming in with 15 of those being three stars they have a couple transfers that we'll talk about later too but their big thing is much of the same as we've already talked about with miami of ohio but taken to a whole nother level they invested in offensive line better than any other team in the mac they may not have the best prospect on the offensive line but they brought in three three stars who are high three stars and they are all or all of them are already above 280 pounds. Can you imagine that you're coming up against some guys who are 18 and 280? Like that's it's oh, a lot of yeah. size. So yes. uh, Thomas Posh, Michael Jimmar and Jacob Welch, those guys, they're going to be interchanged in the line. But when you have three guys, same class, if you can slot them all in, that's going to be paving the way for your running backs. So, NIU is a school that I kind of want to watch moving forward as a school that's going to get a little more talent. They're pretty consistent in recruiting, right? I really want to see what they do in two years because that paves the way, literally, for those running backs to get those yards. So pretty curious about how that works. 
Uh, number five is perennial recruiting powerhouse Toledo. And this class is no different. Maybe a little weaker than they're used to. I know Candle usually, usually does a great job. This time, 16 incoming freshmen, 12 of those being three stars. Now, they have a prospect that I really like, and he's actually pretty close to where all of us live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's edge rusher Lathe Shama, and he's 6'6", 240. And the unique thing about him is he's only played football for two years. He's coming into Toledo as a three-star, and this guy had offers from Air Force, Army, Columbia, Dartmouth, Yale, all the Ivy Leagues. That's so unusual. Yeah, the he's guy's smart. smart. The other thing is, like, this guy, for some reason, there's this one play in his highlight reel, and it's my favorite one of anyone on this list. And some high school coach decided that, hey, we're going to chip him with a tight end on the outside. And Lathe just shredded the guy. It wasn't even close. He was at the quarterback in like two seconds. And they took him straight down. It was an amazing play. And it was the first one that I was like, oh, this might be the guy we're talking about today, right? Kept watching it. He makes consistent moves. He's obviously a heady player with athleticism. I had to look into his story a little bit. And it's just a really good one to look up if you haven't heard of him. Uh, as, As a guy who a lot of people thought about as hey, he might not be playing at a Division One level or he has no experience. He's about to prove some people wrong, and I think he's a guy who really has serious talent. Uh, number four, rounding out our final Tier 2 team is going to be Ohio. They've got 18 incoming freshmen with 14 three-stars, and the guy I like the most from them is actually our first running back on the list, Ricky Hunt Jr., He's an interesting one because he's a little undersized. Some people look at running back a little bit differently, but he's 5'10", 180. He's a three-star out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I kind of find it interesting, right? When people talk about size, and we have a lot with these offensive linemen, right? Like I seem to gush about anyone who's above 6'6". But this is a guy who I think got overlooked just because he's a little skinny. And that's something that could be a huge mistake when you're looking at these skill position guys. He had this offer back in 2020 from Iowa State, and he got that offer when he was actually a quarterback. And not only was he a quarterback, he was playing everything on offense. QB, running back, he was our kick punt returner, even went out wide. He's also a multi-sport athlete, and he's run track before, and he does run 100 meters pretty dang quick. So this guy might out-athlete everyone. So I really think people overlooked this guy. Um... I kind of want to see him throw a pass. I'm not going to lie, a little flea flicker action. But I think he's actually going to make some noise in the MAC. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him in Ohio, which is a pretty run-heavy scheme. So I'm looking forward to seeing him get some carries. I wonder if he's actually even going to have to redshirt. Because, you know, some of these skill position guys, they'll play those four games, and then they realize, oh, dang, this guy's really good. This might be one of those opportunities. here we finally arrive at tier one and these are three schools all of them have been pretty good in the mac one of them's a little bit surprising but starting off at number three is our beloved central michigan with 23 incoming freshmen 18 of the ghost guys three stars this team it's got some interesting prospects on the list that's for sure a lot of these guys and you're going to see this a lot in tier one they recruit some out-of-state recruits a lot of it in Florida, some of it in Georgia. This guy, though, that we're going to talk about, Jacob Booth, offensive tackle, 6'5", 280, doesn't hit that 6'6 mark that I always talk about. 
but he's a three star from Schwartz Creek, Michigan. So he's a local guy, and he has one of the highest three star profiles of anyone who's joining the MAC this year. The guy had offers, actual offers, not just interest, from Arizona State, Kansas, Army, and Navy, and I think a lot of that list was trimmed down purely because the guy was actually a tight end and he was undersized. Now he's 280, go figure. But he played tight end for the majority of his high school career and he wasn't even lining up on uh, offense in offensive tackle. So this is one of those ideal situations for that red shirt, get him in the weight room, right? Who does better at this than Central? Yeah. So this is a guy that we're excited about. I think he's eventually going to have to go guard just from watching the tape and how he moves his feet. But... Man, I, I really think this is the ideal opportunity for Central to make some Power 5 schools regret not taking the time to develop this guy. You think he's going to be a uh, the next Gadecki? I, I think at the college level, he, he will be that way. I don't know if he's got the NFL thing, but how can we project that, right? Yeah. But yeah. when you see how Gadecki paved the way for guys and really controlled that inside, I, I think there's a lot of similarities with how these guys work out. Like I said, he, he's one of the highest-ranked three-stars in the entire MAC. So I think he's got a lot of potential that's about to be tapped. Uh, number two is Buffalo. And they actually have a huge class of 23 incoming freshmen, with 15 of those being three. The other weird thing about their class is they actually have eight two-stars. A lot of the time when we see, you know, oh, there's 15 threes in a class, there's a lot of zeros that come behind it. And uh, this is a this is a pretty top quality class. The highlight guy for them is their linebacker, kind of edge defensive end, you know, do it all utility knife, Dion Crawford, 6'2", 225, three star from Georgia. Now he's going to be one of those interesting guys. I think we've seen it right with Micah Parsons in the NFL, where he's been able to play a bunch of different positions. He's mainly coming off the edge nowadays, right? but he still can drop back and play linebacker if you need to, and that gives you a little bit of diversity in how you call your scheme. And I think this is going to be one of those guys. So Buffalo made this big push this year, right, where they got a lot of community college guys with experience who can make immediate impact, and I think that's going to translate immediately. But this guy, this guy might be one of those long-term plays that works out for them. Uh, High school, he had 123 tackles and 11 sacks during his senior year. Like, not bad production. You're telling me 123 tackles in a high school season? That's pretty dang good. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys who slots in all over the place in the front seven, and I think he's one of the better gets of the entire class. And finally, we have our number one team in the MAC. It is Eastern Michigan. The factory put in work this year, getting 22 incoming freshmen with 17 three stars and they have probably one of the most intriguing prospects and he's actually from detroit michigan went to mlk high school he is messiah blair a 6 7 223 three star edge rusher and boy is the dude an interesting prospect i i even wrote down in my notes that this is a future household name for anyone who's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. The entire Mac went after this guy. Literally every school offered him. He also had four Power Five offers, and he had already committed to Eastern Michigan. He stuck with that commitment. MLK's elite. Like we talk about Cast Tech, but MLK's also pretty elite. And he led them to the D3 championship last year. 6'7, 225 sounds like Chase Young. 
it, it really I mean, it's that's really what it sounds similar, like Chase right? Yeah. And honestly, there's a lot of similarities when they're on the field, right? Edge rushers with speed. Chase has size and speed. That's a unique combination. But this guy replicates that really well. And the other thing is a lot of these bigger prospects on the edge, they don't generate the same leverage. They don't know how to use their hands. And he just does it wonderfully. I don't even know how to say it. Like He pushes around tackles perfectly when he goes towards ball carriers. And he's really heady when it comes to deciding on read options because this is something I saw a lot with the high schools. He's really good at making the correct decision on the edge. So I think he's possibly the number one prospect to watch out of any of these guys when we talk about draft talent. You know, usually we see, what, maybe five five to ten guys tops get drafted out of the MAC every year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Messiah Blair as one of those ten someday. I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited to see him go against these offensive yeah. linemen. No, I mean, everyone you just mentioned that, you know, every team or every team outside like two or three, you mentioned all their top recruits are offensive linemen. So I can't wait to see this guy go against them. And honestly, if he dominates and he's NFL ready, you know, if you dominate offensive linemen in the MAC where we're most known for, you know, offensive linemen, look at Joe Staley, you know, like Eric Fisher. You know, everyone that we mentioned earlier, Godecki, you know, you got Raymond, all these people, like, if he can dominate that, he's going to go pro. And he might even be, he could easily be a day two pick, maybe day one. Absolutely. That's a big, that's a huge get for Eastern. Um, I know um, he had, uh, he's being recruited by Phil Parker at Iowa. They do a great job getting um, guys out of Detroit, especially Cass Tech and Martin Luther King, so huge get for Chris Crichton and uh, staff over Eastern. But that wraps up the recruiting, Benji. Take it away with the uh, with the transfers. Okay, so um, it's a little bit of uh, a lighter transfer uh, crop this year for the MAC. Um, but starting out, uh, we got a couple a couple good prospects. Um, starting out, we got um, I just picked a couple guys that really. Blue chip, former blue chip uh, recruits are guys that just stood out to me. Um, first one is Shimon Cooper, uh, four-star linebacker from uh, going from the Illinois Fighting Illini to uh, to Akron. Shout uh, out Brad Lake. Yes, uh, shout out all the Illini fans, including Brad Lake. Uh, was a former top two four seven guy, four-star linebacker out of uh, Trinity Catholic in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Came, went to Illinois in the 2019 class when Lovey Smith was really building that culture down in Champaign. Um, he's going to Akron. That's a big get. Uh, I think I think he kind of got lost in the shuffle with the when Brett Bielema came in. So that's a good get for Akron. Um, Hunter Dio. He has just looking at his profile pic. He's the ultimate football guy. I highly suggest you look him up. He's a four-star D line. The linemen um, out of Count Lewis Central and Council Bluffs, Iowa. He's going from Iowa State. Uh, Matt Campbell, former Toledo coach, was there Iowa, but now he's going. Uh, Matt Campbell is coach of Iowa State. He's former Toledo, so has a little bit of Matt connection already. Going from Iowa State to Bowling Green um, for with Coach Scott Luffler. Um Also going to Bowling Green. Connor Basilak. So he was a four-star QB from uh, out of Dayton, Ohio, Archbishop Alter. Um, 
I know some of those archbishop schools um, are are pretty. There's a lot of talent down there, down in uh, down south in Ohio. Um, he was four star QB. You might remember him. He was in Missouri QB um, under Eli Drinkwitz in that COVID year, and then come in, had a pretty good year. 2021 came around, and he was the quarterback for most of the year. Kind of got uh, kind of digressed a little bit uh, and lost the job, and then he transferred to Indiana last year. And at Indiana, uh, they their offensive line could not keep him upright. He got uh, punished a lot. Um, I remember watching that Michigan game. He, they offensive line coach got fired. I think the next day, so it's pretty rough. But he's going to Bowling Green as well. Um, curious to see how that one works out because I know he has he has some talent. So that's a good get for Scott Leffler. Um, Stefan Bracy, he's a three-star wide receiver. He went um, originally went to uh, Wisconsin, but I know he's a home in-state guy for Michigan in Michigan, and he's going home. Um, originally, he was out of East Kentwood, out in um, right outside Grand Rapids there. So he's going to CMU. I'm, I think that's a pretty big get for uh, CMU. He's a five-nine. 160, so more of a slot guy. Uh, he, he was their, uh, he, he was primarily their punt returner, kick returner, so I could see him being a uh, yeah. Khalil Pimpleton yeah. type role. Yes, absolutely. Um, another four star running back, Lorenzo Wingard, going to Akron. He originally, um, so four star, had a 96 grade on 24 7 come out of high school. Went to uh, Florida and, or went to Miami, then went to Florida. I think he's had a couple injuries, but that's one I think really I think is is a big get for Akron. I'm really curious to see how how he ends up. Uh, former five star recruit, so that's pretty big. Yeah, that one's actually pretty interesting because you got to remember who he got beat up or beat out by. So who was he backing up or starting ahead of? Well, Damian Pierce, and then yes. Trevor Etienne last year. So he just yeah. got completely pushed out by guys who are blue chip great talents. So we don't yep. know if this guy's actually going to be pretty good, right? Like the limited stats he has are solid, or if the injury hampered him too much his freshman year, or what's going on with it. But he's a very interesting guy. And I mean, yeah. you tell me this guy ran for a thousand yards at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You tell me he barely played, eh, I wouldn't be surprised either. It's it's a coin flip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's and that's the, and that's the risk you take in transfers, though, right? Like you know, this yes. is not the these aren't the building blocks for the future. You know, I'll I'll go out of the MAC here, um, but you know, you look at Kenneth Walker at Michigan State. You know, you could have said the yep. same thing if he got injured. So be it. But you know, he had a phenomenal year and it changed and it made their whole season. So I mean, that's that's just the coin flip you take with transfers. Yeah, I think you've seen early on. I think you see. More like the Mel Tucker. You've seen a couple guys try to build a, their whole team around transfers. And you might get lightning in a bottle. But for the most part, I don't think it really works. You have to really build your team around recruiting. Yeah. That, I mean, build that's, that. Because that's the foundation. That's the foundation. And, yep. That's that, yeah. I agree 10,000%. Because these transfers typically are only one year. You know, they're one yes. and done. And that's it. And... They're either going pro or they're going to go – or they'll transfer, you know, J, JT Daniels. You know, they'll, they'll transfer one year and then transfer another, transfer another. So it's it, – recruiting is the backbone. But 
that being said, back to the transfers, it is very, it's still very important. You know, that that's yes. an interesting point too. A lot of guys are transferring for the second time now, and that's a new area of football that we really didn't see in college until recently. You know, especially with Lingard, right? He transfers immediately after that freshman year and the injury, and then he transfers again with that fifth-year option. It's a really interesting landscape nowadays, and that's something that the Mac seems to be capitalizing on. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, and it's it the, with the transfer portal. I know it's taken a decent amount from the Mac, but it's also given back it's with with those second second time transfers. Giveth and taketh. So, giveth and taketh. Yeah. I mean, every system's yep. like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, the last couple guys, I have a couple more left. Uh, Rod Orr was six six three hundred, former top two four seven guy, four star. Out of um, out of, sorry if I mess this up, Gadsden City in Gadsden, Alabama. Um, I'm sure, my 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 father probably knows where that high school is. I mean, if we have any, any lis- yeah. listeners from that high school, let us know how to say it. Shout out Gadsden, yeah. Alabama. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Gadsden, Alabama. Um, so he he originally went to um, went to Florida State. And then, so he's transferring to Toledo. I mean, anytime you can get a six-six, three hundred tackle, that's a big get. So huge get for the Rockets. I'm gonna ma- imagine he's a day one starter at uh, either left or right tackle. Um, Travion Ford, four-star edge from his originally committed to Missouri. Um, he's had to Toledo as well. So Toledo or Toledo gets two four, four, former four-star blue chip prospects. Pretty good, um, pretty good for uh, Jason Candle, and then um, the last one. This one really popped out to me. Kai Thomas. He was a three-star running back, originally committed to Minnesota, and if you remember Mo, Mo Ibrahim, uh, now uh, with the Detroit Lions, he got he had that great game against Ohio State where they were they took the lead to open the year. And then he tore his ACL. Well. Um, Kai Thomas was one of their uh, backup running backs, and he had almost 900 yards rushing that year. I remember watching um, 2021 after Michigan beat Ohio State 42-27 to win the Big Ten. Uh, I remember that they watching Minnesota play Wisconsin in that 3:30 game right after that, and uh, for the Paul Bunyan Zacks, great trophy game, and uh, he had, he made a couple big plays. Um, ended up after that year had 900 yards r- over almost 900 yards rushing. And he transferred to Kansas uh, be- to transfer back home, and he made a couple big plays. But I think he was third or fourth in the pecking order there for uh, Lance Leipold. And so he's transferring back to um, he's uh, heading to uh, uh, Kent State and. Where we'll we'll get to it here in a little bit. But Kent State, his former running backs coach, Kenny Burns, was uh, is now the head coach there. So um, I think that's going to be end up being a really big get for Kent State. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, I I think the reason why he transferred to Kent State was to reunite with Kenny Burns. Today's podcast is brought to you by MadSideProductions.com. We all know life can get a little hectic sometimes, and with how the past few years have gone, I think everyone could use a second to step back and just breathe. 
If you're looking for a little bit of a different perspective on life and some mind refreshment to go with it, why don't you go check out MadSciProductions.com. The man who leads all of our podcast to graphic design, Brandon, he set this up as an art project slash blog website that combines some powerful pieces with a few words of wisdom. I personally love the cyberpunk-esque look of his latest project with some neon pieces that would look great in your City Vibes apartment. You can check out these pieces and more on MadSciProductions.com. Speaking of Kenny Burns, we're going to jump into the uh, new coaching hires in this segment. Um, and the first coaching hire is Kenny Burns. You know, I've said his name three times and I was like, Beetlejuice, he'll just pop up in this podcast. <laughs> but um, he's now the Kent State head coach, former running backs coach from Minnesota. He used to play football at Indiana. Um, he's part of the P.J. Fleck coaching tree, you know, running back coach at Western when they had that unbelievable year in 2016 when they won the Mac and then followed like to Minnesota. Um, you know, Benji mentioned Mo Abraham, you know, NFL running back now probably would have been drafted if he didn't tear his ACL. You know, I think this is a great hire for Kent state. I think this is an awesome hire for Kent state. You know, it's kind of a buy low high potential type thing. You know, it's you, you have an unproven head coach cause you know, he's underneath PJ Fleck, who is a, uh, I, I can get into some hot takes later, but he's a good coach. He's a good coach. I don't know if he's going to yeah. fully succeed. Love him or hate him, he's a great – he's a good coach. He's a good coach. I don't know if he's great. I don't know if he's going to be able to bring Minnesota to the promised yeah. land like they want them to, but he's a good coach. Um, and, but anyways, back to Kenny Burns. It, it, Mo Ibrahim is a great running back, and Minnesota the past couple of years has – you know they established the run first, and he, he's done an awesome job at that. So I think Kent State – is going to have a great job. I mean, it's going to have, it's going to be very lucrative for Mac running backs. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, you've got Lou Nichols, you've got Kareem Hunt, you've got Michael Turner. You've got a conference that has good running backs. Why would you not go to Kent State if you have a, if you have a head coach that is specifically a running back first head coach? So I would give this a B plus. I, I almost a home run hire. Um, like I said, a lot of potential problem. The reason why I don't say it's a home run hire is because he's a special niche of coaching. You know, he's he's running back only. What can he do with quarterbacks? What can he do with receivers? You know, offensive line he should be great because of running backs, but that's but running blocking. So what what all can he do? What do you guys think about the coaching hire? I I think that's a it's a really good hire for Kent State. Um, I know. Uh, I think they last year they had like a gauntlet non-conference schedule, so they're doing some a lot of paycheck games, non-conference. But I think for them, just getting a coach, a young energetic coach, good. I'm gonna guess that he's a good recruiter, knows knows the footprint in the Midwest with Minnesota and playing for Indiana. I think this is gonna be end up being a good hire. I mean, um, you were talking about their non-conference schedule. I just have to say this, you know, they. They played a better game against Georgia than TCU did. Yeah, that, so, you're not wrong. <laughs> in between the hedges, too. <laughs> in between the hedges. So, hey, maybe, you know, Mac versus the SEC. Maybe we'll see it one day. Like, yeah. Connor, what do you think of the hire? Yeah, not only was Kenny Burns one of my favorite hires in the Mac, it's one of my favorite hires through the whole NCAA. He's a guy who has pedigree, and he didn't just coach with, you know, Minnesota and the schools we've mentioned. Yeah, he had that great year at Western Michigan, but 
he coached at Millersville in Division Two, and they're a powerhouse out of Pennsylvania. And he was a big part of that. Plus, he did a little bit of work at North Dakota State University, Southern Illinois. Those are big-name programs from a little world, uh, kind of like the Mac, right? So mm-hmm. those are programs that I respect a lot, and I think that he's bringing winning culture. And there's a lot of buzz about culture. You know, is it the Deion Sanders type of culture? Are we talking Migos culture? one two or three but in yeah. this case he's a guy who has won That's he's won take his off. entire uh, shit. Yeah. yeah i guess separate that take now. off yeah R. R. Thoughts take off praise. thoughts and praise yeah love R. that R. dude yep but yeah he's a guy <laughs> 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 but he's a guy hey, it's, a Mac- hey, it's a football podcast <sighs> that's gonna be fun hey, to separate hey, but rest in peace take off literally <laughs> yes gone but not forgotten um but yeah he's he's a winner and he's always been a winner i the only concern i'm gonna have with him right is that it's always rough for a first time d1 head coach and when you're 39 you don't have the longest list of assistants to call up and be like hey i trust you come in do a job but at the same time i don't know if you guys have seen this but his twitter He's pretty active, and one of the things that he's done recently is he actually uh, shouts out his coordinators and his position coaches every time he gets a recruit. So all of them have their individual posts and little dances and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Plus, That's awesome. He did a big golf event, and he brought them all out. I forget who it was, but he, he brought everyone out. It's the whole staff all in their golf attire you know, at the range. So, yeah, I, I think he's a big hire. I really hope that they don't do anything hasty after a tough onslaught this year of those out-of-conference opponents. They play UCF, Arkansas, Fresno State. Be patient. Do not get mad at this guy if you drop all three. You're going to drop all three most likely, right? I think you have a shot against Fresno State, but still, those are powerful programs. Give this guy some time. He's going to be a hire that we need to judge in a few years, not right away. So I love him. I love Kenny Burns. I gave him an A. I think this is the best hire in the MAC, and yet again, I think this is one of the best hires in the NCAA. Another thing I'll add to that, too, and, um, you know, it, it, Benji kind of lightly touched on it, I lightly touched on it, but, you know, he used to play at Indiana, so he knows the Great Lakes region. Illinois, he too, knows, Southern Illinois. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he knows, like, he, he knows the culture it takes to play in these snow games. You know, he knows the type of players he wants. He knows the type of players he needs to win. And I think, you know, Kent State – for all the Kent State fans that are listening to this, you guys can admit you guys aren't a traditional powerhouse in the MAC. Like y- y'all would be happy to be to make six and six to make a bowl game. So I think it's a perfect spot for him because it's not all eyes on him. You know, if it was like Toledo or Central, you know, where all eyes are on you, you're expecting to win the MAC, or Ohio, you know, all eyes on you to win the MAC right away. Then then maybe you know it's not the higher that they expect but this is going to be one of those like he's a budding prospect and he can only get better little little trivia for you real quick when's the last time that kent state won a conference championship oh god nick saban nope nick saban was playing oh hey it might have been and 67 close you're actually super you're stupid close so actually 1972 they were the Damn. MAC Conference Championships. The only time they've ever won it. Their record that year was six five and one. Oh man! So it, it's been a while, and uh, they've they've had a couple division championships, and they just haven't converted. So, uh, well, and I, mean, I and I use the bane of their existence. Well, that's that's why I was saying though that you know it's a very like 
buy low mm-hmm. type type hire. You know, they're they're not expecting to win the Mac next year. They're not even expecting to win in two or three. They never expect to win the Mac. It's a happy surprise if it happens. Toledo's expecting. Ohio's expecting. Central Eastern has that expect expectation now. You know, Western expects it. But Kent State, you never think Kent State's going to win it. And I think this guy's going to win a MAC title in his coaching career. Um, but the next head coach uh, Benji will talk about is Lance Taylor. Yeah, Lance Taylor. Actually, I, I learned quite a bit about him. Uh, I just knew that him. Um, I knew his offensive coordinator with Louisville. Well, was only there for one year. I know um, Scott Satterfield was the coach there. And I think the – I think – I wouldn't say he was on the hot seat last year, but I think he ruffled some feathers because I don't know if you guys remember, but he uh, he really wanted that South Carolina job and he kind of kind of crapped on Louisville. Um, kind when of sandbagged interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It di- and it didn't it didn't help when he came back and think the job. So I think there are some issues there. So I wouldn't really look at last season. I know they had a couple of big. Ge- uh, wins. I think they beat Wake Forest. They beat the crap out of Wake Forest. So, I think there's um, a couple games you can look at. Um, but I know, so but he started, uh, was the running backs coach at Stanford during the Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love era. Um, two of the, I everybody remembers Christian McCaffrey. It was awesome. But Bryce Love, probably one of the most underrated college football running backs. Uh, career was cut short with the Washington, uh, our words, Redskins, Commanders, whatever football teams that <laughs> oh we're God, calling Benji. them these days. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite college running backs of all time. Didn't he finish Are second you? in the Heisman? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did finish second. People don't remember. I think his – he was somebody that people just forget about. But I look up look up his highlights on YouTube. He was, he was a great running back. And tough as nails. Um, then he went to so Lance Taylor went to Notre Dame, was the assistant coach under the last couple of years of Brian Kelly, twenty eighteen through twenty twenty one. Um, there are some rumors that Martin uh, Marcus Freeman was going to keep him on, but then he decided to go to Louisville for the last year. A um, couple of fun facts about him though: so he's the only Native American head coach in college football uh, from the Mawa Band of Choctaw. So that's a pretty Pretty cool, pretty awesome stat. For our Choctaw um, listeners. Yes. And then, so, here's a, was a very fun stat. His dad played for the Bear, Bear Bryant. Um, and he also played at wide receiver Alabama. Played for four different head coaches. Back, uh, I believe it was Mike Price. Uh, Mike Price, Mike Shula era. Where, pre-Nick Saban, where they had some... Interesting. Uh, they had an interesting coaching hire that didn't last until the seat, and only lasted a couple months because uh, went to a couple couple of places that they didn't like like them to down there in uh, Pensacola. Um, yeah, some 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 late night bars down there. I'll say. <laughs> Urban um, Urban Meyer would love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. Damn it, Justin. About that. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, so I think that's a good hire. I think he, he knows Alabama. He has some experience down in Kentucky a little bit. West Coast has experience out there. And then at Notre Dame, I think I think that's it's going to end up, I think they're going to struggle this year. 
that's more, we'll get into more of that in the previews, but I think long term, this is going to end up being a very good hire for a Western. Yeah, I think, so, I would give it a B plus. I'm almost leaning towards B. Um, I think it's going to be, and, and I, I want to state this for everyone, obviously we all went to Central, so, you know, we're going to be a little little anti-bias against Western. It's just, that's college football, right? Um, but I will, I had it at B plus, but I'm going down to a B, mainly because, you know, all the head coaches he's had ahead of him has been able to have great talent after he's left. You know, it hasn't been like, oh, this head coach has left and he's been able to, you know, yes, he's been able to jump around, but he's gone to great head coaches, you know. I mean, he had Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. You know, for the Panthers, he had Ron Rivera when he was uh, in Carolina. So these are all great coaches, and I just want to see what he can do on his own. I, I'm not saying, you know, I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good hire, especially after Tim Lester. You know, Tim Lester followed in PJ's footsteps and dropped the ball, per se, at Western. Like, he was, you know, you, it's hard to follow PJ's flex, PJ flex team, what he did, you know, 12-0. and 0. It's really hard to follow that. But you can't have losing seasons at Western after that. You just can't. You have to go at least 6-6 six and six every year. And Tim Lester didn't. So I think Lance Taylor can go 6-6 six and six at minimum every year. Do I think he's going to win a MAC championship? I don't know. Um, you know the the competition in the West is tough. Toledo, I mean, it's pretty much Toledo's division. It's always been Toledo's division, outside for the Dalen Fever era at CMU. But it's it's going to be tough. I, I I think he. I have more faith in Kenny Burns winning a MAC title than I do Lance Taylor. That's my hot take. Yeah, I don't I don't have the same faith in Lance Taylor as I did in PJ Fleck and his marketing ability, right? Recruiting's huge. And despite Lance Taylor being on a lot of different great teams, he did always have that head coach. And I agree with a lot of Justin's points here. The only thing I'm gonna say on it though is he does have that NFL experience, which I don't know, I'm kinda iffy on. I don't love bounce back coaches when they come from NFL to college, whereas I do like college coaches that go to the NFL. Maybe that's bias, maybe I'm an idiot, who knows? Maybe both. But look, if Christian McGaffrey is going to shout him out as a great coach and say he was integral to his development, maybe we should be believers in this guy. So while I'm not as excited about him as I am Burns, because Burns feels like that home run hit to me, I think this is a pretty strong pickup. Plus, if you guys have ever played NCAA 14, you go through the coaching carousel. By the time he gets to Western Michigan, that carousel is pretty barren. So getting a quality hit like Lance Taylor, that's pretty good. And, and, and back to... Um, it, Piggybacking off of that, you know, I hope Western does the same thing that Kent State does. Don't rush this hire. You know, don't. Oh, you're gonna go 0 and 3 in your con, in your non-con games. You might go 6 and 6 this year. Don't fire him. You know, if he goes 3 and 9, don't fire him. If you know, if he goes 5 and 7 next year, don't fire him. Year three is when it matters. If he can't get to six wins in year three, then we'll look back on this and be like, oh, B plus, B, B. We were just wrong. It's, it's an F if he doesn't get to 6-6 six and six by year 3. But give him time. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing, especially in the MAC. You know, the MAC, we, you know, we give – you should never have – there should never be a head coach that gets fired in, by year 3. Um, but it could happen, and I think Western is hungry for a winner. You know, I think they see Toledo winning. I think, you know, saw CMU in 2019 go to the MAC championship game. I, They're hungry. They want to get back there. 
They mm-hmm. they had a taste of 2016 and and they loved it and they want to get back. They're not gonna be able to row the boat, but <laughs> they want to get back. But yeah. while these coaching hires, you know, may seem ins- insignificant right now, they could be the next they could be the next coach of the Mac. You know, they could be the next great coach. And you know, some of them, some of the best head coaches ever, ever in the game have come from the Mac. I mean, two. Two of them are Urban and Nick Saban. You know, Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. Those are two like of our generation, probably best head coaches ever. I mean, that's what combined six national titles? No, nine. Yeah. I believe Paul Brown actually coached at Miami of Ohio. Uh, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler. Yeah, and, and then you, you know you got Gary Pinkle, you got Matt Campbell. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, well, like I said, you have Butch Jones. You know, you have Dave Duran. From Northern Illinois, Dave Clawson, current Wake Forest head coach. You've got um, Brian Kelly. Yep. So, Brian Kelly. Uh, former Illinois head coach Tim Beckman. While that didn't work out, but you know, it he still got up to Illinois. Brady Hoke. He's still coaching San Diego State. Yeah. So, w- while these, like I said, while right now on paper they may not look like a home run hire, even though like we might be just a Kenny Burns podcast. We might have to tag him in our, all our socials and just be like, Hey, get on the podcast, hype yourself up. But, um, while, while everything, you know, these guys might not win 10 games next year, they could still be Nick Saban. They could be, there's the potential in this conference. But I think the biggest thing that these schools have is they have massive momentum going into next year. You know, they, you have that new coach momentum. You know, it's not a flop of a hire. You know, Kent State should be excited about this. They have momentum. You know, another school that's got massive momentum is Toledo. You know, they're returning seven stars from their MAC championship squad. Um, retur- you know, they had the best defense in the MAC. Um, you, you know, typically when I think of Toledo, I think of like when I was growing up and. You know, in my in my college years, you know, I thought the high flying Toledo, right? You know, Toledo Rockets. You think kind of a high flying offense. No, they're built on defense, and returning seven starters is on that defensive squad's going to be awesome. And I mean, they they're the betting favorites to repeat. They really are, and I don't blame it. I don't blame Vegas whatsoever on it. Um, and I think, and you know, they've got a couple. They've got a couple challenges. You know, they got to go to Mount Pleasant this year. Um, compared to last year where CMU had to come off Penn State and then go to Toledo. But Toledo has got a high, is very high on momentum going into next year. Yeah, Toledo mm-hmm. Toledo looks like a scary team, and I'm a big fan of Finn. I think that's a bad man at quarterback. But I got to hand some props to Eastern Michigan and what they're doing. If I'm talking stock prices and I'm buying in on any team right now, Probably oh, Eastern Michigan. They're the upward trajectory. Look, if you're an Eastern Michigan fan, you should be really excited about your program's building. The branding, the recruiting, the culture that they're building, it's special. You know, last season they won that famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Shout out to Iowa. Or, oh, fuck, Idaho. Idaho. God damn it. I just misspoke <laughs> and I have to redo it. Uh, if you're an Eastern Michigan fan, you should be really excited about what your program's building. Last season's famous Idaho Potato Bowl, shout out to Idaho, one of the greatest schools in NCAA. Wish you guys were still D1. Rip. They, that, that bowl game was a big win for them, right? Eastern doesn't get a lot of wins in bowl games, and they hit one out of the park last year. So they're showing that they can hit some pretty high heights, and I think this year can be no exception to that. 
They did have some big losses, uh, Sidney So and Jose Ramirez. That's a big loss in the backfield, but they have Austin Smith and Samson Edmonds coming in. I like both those guys, and with the recruiting classes being the way they were, I think they could have some immediate impact, guys. Um, Chris Creighton may be one of the best coaches in the NCAA D1 to have a losing record. I don't think that's going to stay there that long. I really do think that he's going to break that losing record this year, at least next year. Um, Defense, though. Defense is the one thing we need to be a little bit concerned about. Last year, they weren't actually that good on D. They did get a new D coordinator, uh, Ben Needham. So if he makes that immediate impact that we're hoping for, I think you can see Eastern Michigan finishing that season out on top of the West, despite Toledo looking like an absolute powerhouse this year. Yeah, and talk about um, a program that a decade ago was arguably the worst uh, FBS program. They were probably the out of 122 or 127, how many teams there are. They were probably the last one. But Chris Creighton is has completely turned that program around and this is a compliment but they're I mean they're dirty and mean they're 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 tough ass program now I mean they might not even um they're a team that you don't want to play any given week yeah I, sure. I, I, that's a huge compliment I agree 10,000% you know 10 years ago it was you look at Eastern you chalk that up as an easy win Easy win for all yes. Mac schools. Maybe outside, unfortunately, Akron and Kent State, but easy win. Now it's, uh, you know, an easy loss. Now, um, how do you guys it, feel about the gray turf, though? That, that's a real controversial thing, and I think we need to address it. I, I think, I think, I think it's it's part of what they built as a culture there. I think the gray turf is kind of gross to to watch to watch games at, but it works for them. I think it's made them kind of stand out in a way. I will say it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with Michigan winners. You know, you look up at the sky, <laughs> yeah, it's it gray. You look down at the ground, it's gray. And all you see on that field is just gray. Um, one thing I will say about that field is, you know, I, they are gray, green, and white. Like, those are their colors. But I wish they had a green field. Like, like I know not an actual, like, grass turf. I wish it was, like, green, green. Like, you know boy, how Boise State's got the Smurf turf blue and Eastern Washington's got the red turf. I wish they had a pure green, everything green turf. I think that would be yeah, that would look look a lot better. Like, like a green, and then like the numbers being gray. Think about that, or the end zone being gray. I think that would be better. It, it, it the and I will say this. So I, I was there a couple months ago uh, for a high school graduation. Um, my girlfriend's little brother graduated from. Uh, graduated from Pioneer, and they held it at Eastern's um, basketball stadium. Their whole sporting complex area is awesome. It was so cool to walk into the basketball arena and then just look out into the football arena, or football stadium. It was awesome. Um, I'm hoping that when they get good, they can open up the upper deck because that's giving me a lot of Oakland Athletic vibes of (laughs) that being tarped over. That's not a good look at all, no matter how good you are. I will say this. I will say this. They have a very easy non-conference schedule this year. Very, very easy. They should easily go into that CMU game, um, first conference game on September 30th, three and one. And if they don't go three and one, then there's then there's concern. Um, they could go four and zero. We'll talk more about that 
game at later episodes. Um, but going, still going more into Eastern. I, you know, I think they were. I think I last looked about two, three weeks ago, plus seven hundred to win the MAC. I think that might be the best bet in all of college football. Are, are we Eastern Michigan fans? No, <laughs> no, no, no. But I will say this. I will say this. The podcast might be uh, the podcast team might be making a trip down to uh, Toledo, Ohio, on November eighth for uh, Wednesday for some action because uh, that might be the game of the year for the conference. Oh yeah, absolutely. Toledo versus that's Eastern. One I'm yeah, I mean that's that's probably the game of the conference. Uh, Toledo. I mean Eastern's got to get through Central. And September thirtieth in Mount Pleasant, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think the game of the I think the game of the season for the MAC, or at least the MAC West, is Toledo, Toledo Eastern November eighth MAC and ESPN two seven o'clock MAC baby. Oh, just gets me going. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, Ben. please please cleanse this podcast of our Eastern Michigan positivity and talk about the team we all want to hear about today. So. So last year was a pretty tough year. I think for for Central we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of as fans and as alums we had a lot of we we're expecting that championship going. We really on. were. And returning Lou Nichols, it just I think we were really banged up, um, and that kind of affected. Really, I think we gave we gave Oklahoma State a good game. Gave Penn State a great game, um, and then after that, kind of the wheels kind of came off with injuries. But I think the positive thing is you we started playing a lot of young guys towards the end of the year. Um, only returning three guys on offense, which is good and bad. Um, I think we played a couple of more younger guys towards the end of the year. Uh, Marion Luke's coming back, and Miles Bailey expecting big years out of them. And then um, I expect to see some St- uh, Stephen Bracey and Jalen McGaughy. Um, and Finn Hogan, I think, is a good player, too. Um, then on uh, defense, we return nine starters, which is huge. I think we'll, we'll be in every game. I think it's just getting no uh, quarterback situation handled with. I'm, I'm really high in Burt Manuel Jr. I remember he... Coming out of high school, I think he was a huge land for us, um, for CMU, for Jim McElwain. And, you know, one thing I always look at is recruiting. Uh, I think that's the lifeblood of your program. Our CMU's former per- player per- personnel, uh, director of player personnel, is now at Michigan. So that that's a positive sign, I think, going forward. So I'm really excited for this year, I think. I think we're gonna have a bounce back here, and you should see seven to eight wins and being in the the thick of things for the MAC. I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, Jim McElwain's never had back to back losing seasons. Yes, that's a big point. So that's that that is. I think that's the biggest. You know, I, you could obviously say there's a first for everything, but we don't believe in that. Uh, not on this podcast. Plus, gotta shout out my boy Deontay Powell Woods, offensive guard. The guy's really damn good on the offensive line. And I love talking about those big men, so he's one of those to watch. Yeah. And one guy I'm really excited to watch, uh, I think he's going to be right guard, either center or right guard, Keegan Smith from uh, Jackson Lumen Christie. Oh. You know, oh. I'm a proud mom. You know, they, those guys that played for her, Brogan, can, can really play. So excited for him this year. I think he's going to have a big year. 
So I, uh, I'm going to talk about Northern Illinois and Ball State, and I'm going to look at it a little differently than what Benji and Connor are looking at it as. I'm looking at it from a perspective of how did they finish last year and how not necessarily the recruiting and who they've got returning, because I look at it as like a momentum type thing. I look at it as a you want to go into the next year winning, right? You want to go into the next year with good games when you're not bowl eligible or if you are bowl eligible. Like I said earlier, you want to win your bowl game because that sets up for next year. Well, unfortunately, these two teams didn't make bowl games. You know, last year, NIU went 3-9, and nine, and, you know, they couldn't. They, they lost 44-12 to 12 to Akron, their last game at home. That's not a great way to end the MAC. You know, that's no offense to Akron. Again, for all the Zips fans that are listening to us, we love you. Keep listening, please. Um, but you don't want to lose 44-12 to 12 on senior day at home to Akron. You know, if it was Toledo, if it was Central, if it was Eastern, if it was Western, you know, Ohio. Th- there's a handful of other Mac schools you want to lose to, just not Akron. Um, so, and then they lost, you know, November 16th, 29-23, to Miami of Ohio. So they finished the year 0-2 on games that they should have won. Both home games. And, you know, from a momentum thing, you know, the coach can easily just be like, hey, throw that in the back of our mind, that's fine. But ending the year four, losing 4 or 5 is not good. It's just it's just not good at all. And just it, it really stands out to me that, I mean, that Akron game, is it, that's brutal. That's just a terrible way to end the season. Great for Akron. And we'll talk about that later, but just I, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope NIU has a great year. Listen, I we want all we want all Mac schools to go eight and four to ten and two. You know, we we want them all to have winning records. It's unfortunately not possible, but it, you you can't lose to Akron at home on Senior Day as your last game of the season by 32. You can't. And then go and you know and also NIU they didn't have. You know, they had the worst transfer recruits. I mean, yes, they were top. They were halfway on recruiting. So, overall, I don't know if, you know, what can you be excited about? And let, let us know in the comments, you know. Let us know in the comments and DM us, you know, and tell me I'm wrong. Rip me a new one. Say, oh, you're wrong. We're excited about this. Please do it because I want to know. But I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it whatsoever. And then transitioning into Ball State, you know, Ball State, end of the year on a three-game losing streak. Granted, you know, it was Toledo and Ohio, but you lost your last game um, on the road against Miami of Ohio by one point. That's a gut-wrenching loss. You win that, you go bowling. And that's a, that's a massive thing for Max schools is going bowling. We, I mean, we're the bowl champions. Uh, you got to represent. So, and, you know, with Ball State, they're to the bottom on recruiting, you know, fourth from the bottom. They only had 18... 18 recruits, um, and they were, you know, fourth on transfers, but like I or fifth on transfers, but like we no fourth, sorry, fourth on transfers. But like we said, recruiting is the backbone. So to end the year, three losses, four losing four of five, um, it's not that's not a good that's not good at all. You know, you start the year five and three, or sorry, four and three. All you gotta do is win two, just win two, steal two games, and you go bowling. And you couldn't. You lost by four to Eastern. You lost by seven to Toledo. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. We can easily win one of the next two, and you don't. And to me, that's, again, a kind of a how do you recover from that? How do you 
and go from take the next step forward and you know compete you know cmu is going to have a winning record next year western got better toledo got better eastern got better how can you compete against those doing what you did last year yeah absolutely i 100% agree um Especially with those two, and I use just one where it's it's kind of like now or never. Um, I get they won the match, but they they should be competing every year. Yeah, and and you know they, they've had you know we mentioned it earlier. You know they had Jordan Lynch. You know there's a history there. They have Michael Turner, um, there Kenny Galladay, right? I believe Kenny Galladay is from there. Um, they they yeah. they've got history. yeah I, I think so yeah, they, yeah they've got history of having great talent and they won the mac two years ago yes but they had it with the uh with rocky uh rocky lombardi from msu they had to get an msu quarterback transfer and to win that and if you look at that year there was a lot of fluke stuff that happened for them to win yeah a lot of fluke stuff to to win so i don't even know if i would i mean obviously it counts right you're going to count your trophies you're going to count your wins but i don't know like like you kind of have to see it like a I'll give a different sports reference. You know, Toronto Raptors, you know, they won the, they won the NBA championship. But there's no way Raptors fans could come in the next year after losing Kawhi Leonard and being like, "Oh, we're going to repeat." There's no way. Yeah. So, NIU fans, there's no way you guys thought you were going to repeat this past year and there's no way I think you guys can see yourself competing this year. Again, let me know if I'm wrong in the comments. DM me. I'll drop my Twitter, uh, you know, on the links later. Please DM me. I want to hear all about Northern Illinois and how and the hype train on them, but we we have to move on to uh, Ohio now. It's it's yeah, so, it's not Ohio. Yeah, we sorry. Talk about the so, East. Let me let me redo that. Sorry. And now we're going to talk about the Eastern Division as we just capped off the West. Um, we're going to talk about Bowling Green. Yeah, I first off, that's the second Toronto Raptors reference we've made on this college football podcast. We're not Raptors fans. We're not Raptors fans. I want to make that very clear. Go Hawks. Yeah. Okay. Go Detroit. Go Pistons. Go Pistons. Yep. All right. How's Victor doing? Uh, I, I can't wait to cut hey, that out. Hey, hey, hey! This is a college football podcast. All right. <laughs> Take it to your NBA podcast. <laughs> Great Lakes Court. Great Lakes Hardwood. <laughs> Great Lakes uh, plaque iron or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah, the Eastern... In- oh, uh, hold on. I need, like, water now because I'm dying. We still got a lot to go. I know. It's kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah, let's, let's try to, like, get uh, a little bit faster. Well, it's fine because I, I can... It, yeah. it can be long. Uh, there's, de- there's a lot to cut out, by the way. The first 20 minutes are complete zero. That wasn't anything, so don't get too worried about it. Oh, that is true. And then also, I will say that uh, the next episode we have is going to be uh, is going to be probably only be about 45, 50 minutes because it's going to be opinionated. Right. We have a lot of facts and on this one. I can so. always split this if we need to, but we'll see what it comes out as in the end. I'm not worried about this yeah. stuff. Right? Our pacing is good. There's some stuff we can cut, but our pacing is really good. Anyway, so the Eastern Division is actually pretty interesting this year because there's a couple of contenders, but one of those teams that isn't going to be in that contention is Bowling Green and if I was buying stock I would actually just be selling all of my Bowling Green stock right now (laughs) Uh, of any team in the MAC this is the one for me that has the biggest downward spiral and I'm very concerned about Scott Loeffler being able to keep his job throughout the entire season 
we talked before about new hires needing some time to acclimate. You got to give them time. You got to trust the process, right? Well, his first three seasons as a coach were not great. Last season, they were six and seven. And you might think that that's, you know, fantastic. They made a bowl game. Cool. That's the goal, right? Well, they had so many one score games that they won. And that isn't sustainable. That is the number one thing that isn't sustainable in any sport. And that's going to kill them this year. I don't see them replicating this mid-table finish that they had last season without defensive stalwart Carl Brooks. That man meant so much to that defense and set the tone with every play. With every play. He set the tone with every play. I don't think they're going to be able to do it this year. And the recruiting class isn't giving them any immediate impact. Uh, like I said, I'm really concerned about Scott and his ability to retain this job if they fail to become bowl eligible this season. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, seems like last year they were kind of in the right place, right time in conference play. Um, had a lot of one-score games, but this is definitely a big year. Um, hopefully Connor, Connor Bazelak, I would guess, is going to be the starter. So, it's big year. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious because I know they have a lot of former Michigan assistants. They're like Michigan of the, the math, I guess. Did those guys um, uh, come in with Loeffler? Yeah. Um, well, I know Loeffler was a QB coach mm-hmm. at Michigan under Lloyd Carr. And uh, Steve Morrison is a Michigan coach, uh, former Michigan coach. So it'll be an interesting year for Scott. Be, I, I will say, though, for their fans, be very patient through the first five games. Be very, very patient. I mean, you're going to open up at Liberty. You get great chance to win that game. Great chance because they just lost their head coach, um, Scott Frost. So good chance to win. Should, should be Eastern Illinois and then week three. You're going to get absolutely – Michigan might put up 100 points. I mean, they, they, they legit yeah. might run. They could have me as running back, and I'd put up four touchdowns. Um, and then it doesn't help that the Mac schedule it this way, which we'll talk about in the next episode about Mac scheduling. But it goes Michigan, and then you, and then you host Ohio. So you have to come off getting destroyed in the trenches by Michigan. You have to rest up for a week and then come to Ohio or host Ohio. And then go back on the road to Georgia Tech. So brutal, just brutal. Yes. So they could legit start the season one and four. Um, but w- again, we'll touch that in like, schedule preview and all that stuff. But I just wanted to s- touch on Connor's points more about hey, it, it, just try to be patient with the coach. I I don't think he's a bad coach. Try to be patient, but it's not going to look good the first five weeks. <laughs> Yep, agreed. Um, and then Benji, take it away with Ohio. I want to hear about the uh, the Maple Missile, Curtis Rourke. <laughs> yes, the Maple Missile. So, um, great name. Ohio, Ohio. Uh, there ever since I think that was 2002, Frank Solich got fired at Nebraska. Probably the stupidest decision any any of the Cornhusker people uh, made. Really, really, just a, a dumb freaking decision to fire him. Uh, they're still paying for it, uh, but he he came over to Ohio and he really built that program. And they're I, they're one of the one of the programs in the math that every year you know their identity, 
they execute they execute their assignments well um, and they're always always going to compete for the title um, returning Mac offensive player of the year Curtis Rourke had over 3,000 yards passing 25 touchdowns last year Maple Missile huge um, um, and then you know they're led on the offensive line by number 69 Parker Titsworth nice that's an actually yeah that's an, it, it's an actual actual uh, player um, it's not create a player and not create a number that's no, awesome that's, hey. that's his name and that's what's his, his name number. again Hey, number sixty nine, Parker Titsworth. Parker Titsworth podca- podcast. Yes, yeah, he, he's going pro. We're his agents. Yeah. Yes, Parker, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Absolutely, so, uh, you're listening. Love to have you on. Um, so returning eight guys on offense, six on uh, defense. You know, last year they won ten games, which and the MAC is huge. Wait, if you can win ten games, they didn't win the MAC, but they had a hell of an ending. In the Barstool Arizona Bowl against Wyoming, big time win. Um, expecting them to, to be back in the the hunt um, for the for the MAC. And I I would I would say they're one of my the two teams that I want to get get to here in a second, but that I would pick to win the, that division. Um, yeah, and that's and I'm gonna go up north North Ohio. Uh, to Akron, not the Akron Hammer, not LeBron James, because he got shut down by Jason Terry. You know, you can't be the Akron Hammer if you get shut down by Jason Jeez. Terry. Put Jason bands Terry. on my head like Jason Terry. Hey, hey, bands Jordan. on my head like Jason Terry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna get demonetized for that, right? I mean, we, <laughs> um, anyways. Back, hey, the, hey, the, the, the clutch is gonna come after us. Yeah. Hey, we can't challenge the LeBron media. We'll get shut down before we even get started. Um, anyways, back to the Akron, not the Akron hammer, but back to Akron. Um, it, it, it's tough for Akron. It's tough. Cause what do you, what do you look for as Akron? You know, do you, uh, I, I, you don't expect to win, right? I know that sounds bad, but you don't really expect to win at Akron. You expect to be competitive. And I think they were gr- competitive after the Ohio game last year. Something, there was a switch that was flicked last year. So they started off, you know, they won the first game in OT against Division 2. That's not good to win OT Division 2. Then got destroyed, got destroyed, blah, 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 lost. But the last six games, they lost five of, they won one and lost four of five by one score. You know, they got Joe Moorhead as their head coach. Offensive wizard from uh, Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State never should have fired him. Um, Penn, you know, former Penn State offense coordinator. It, you know, as Akron, you, you're expecting four wins, right? I, I feel like you're expecting three or four wins. I think they can get that. I definitely think that they can get that this year. Um, again, be patient. But I'm going to give a little teaser for, and I'll say it later in a couple podcasts, but my big upset pick of the year is I think Akron beats the Indiana Hoosiers, Indiana Hoosiers week four <laughs> in Bloomington. Um, okay. I, and like I said, we'll go into that when we do schedule previews. Um, but, y- you know, when you have a coach like Joe Moorhead, when you have a former SEC head coach, a, a coach that 
could prove that he won at the big level of your league of the of the whole football league, you know, NCAA, you have to feel confident. You have to feel confident, no matter you know, no matter the recruiting, right? You know, they've second to second to last, or sorry, third to last in recruiting, eighteen recruits, um, and then you know, but they did second best in transfers. Joe Moorhead knows how to recruit in the South. I think that program is going to, you know, Kent State, Cleveland's going to have a great college football atmosphere here in the next two to three years. Um, I mean, Cleveland's not known for their uh, college football. They're known for the Browns, even though they're trash too, so they're used to terrible football. But I think Akron and Kent State are going to be neck and neck on who's going to be the better Cleveland school. I, I truly think Akron next year can win four games. And I know that sounds bad because no one ever wants to win four games. But when you double your win total, that's good. I mean, that, that 200% or 100% improvement. So, yeah. I mean, and again, you have Joe, uh, you have Joe Moorhead. He's a great. I think, think long term, Joe Moorhead is going to do good things there. Be, again, be patient. You know, I know this is not the bigger conferences where. You know, oh, if you don't win three of your first four, you're gone. But be patient. It's Joe Moorhead. He is, I'd say he's a top 50 NCAA football head coach, um, offensive wizard. And at least I'd much rather have an offensive wizard than a defensive wizard. Because at least the games you'll watch, you're going to score touchdowns. We love points. We're the overs club on this podcast. We don't like unders. Yeah, let's resort to the under. Yes. Uh, but I'll get off the... Hey, real quick, before you get off it, shout out to the Rubber Bowl, all right? I don't know if you guys remember that stadium. I miss oh, it. Oh, yes. Man, oh, yeah. I like how it was built in the hillside. I loved everything about that place. And Akron was always the first team in NCAA yep. football. Yes. And uh, and I'll mention this next week. Bring back young, bring Youngstown State to the MAC. Yep. Bring that Add rivalry back. Add them in. Bring the Rubber Bowl That's rivalry fun. back. The rubber rivalry, battle of uh, Goodyear, the battle of Goodyear tires, bring them back. <laughs> Love it. That would be a great trophy, a Goodyear tire. That'd be an awesome trophy. But Connor, Man, imagine whoever wins that game just sprinting to the sideline, pulling <laughs> up a tire. Up a tire. <laughs> <laughs> could uh, could you guys say in baseball terms, it's the uh, rubber match? Yes. I'll be here all night. I can't wait to uh, cut that out. <laughs> don't cut that. Connor, finish us up with the uh, with the last Ohio school. Yeah, so Miami of Ohio. Uh, greater Miami? I don't know about that one. But look, they're a team that's interesting, right? They won the 2019 MAC championship. And to be honest with you, I kind of think that that was their peak. This is a school stuck in neutral, if you will. They're good. And I think that they can win the East this year. Probably my pick. Spoilers for next episode. But I'm a little worried about them moving forward. Uh, They're going to lose a lot of seniors after this year. The recruiting hasn't been fantastic. But when you look ahead to 24, they already actually have established a pretty darn good recruiting class. So while I think that right now is their best shot to win a MAC championship, and then they're going to dip a little bit, it's not going to take long for them to be a good team again. So I have some positivity around Miami. It's just, it feels off, right? Something's not right about this, and I can't quite put my finger on it yet. Do you think, um, 
Do you think if they go seven and five, six and six, this could really affect their recruiting class for twenty twenty four? You know, I don't really think so. I think Chuck Martin's a good recruiter, and I think they show a lot of consistency. Um, I think they just had one down year, and honestly, I think it was actually really difficult to recruit this year and last season. A lot of the tape from these guys during those COVID years, or lack thereof of tape, were yes. it really affected recruiting, and it really affects the kind of people you have coming in. You couldn't do official visits the same way. You couldn't communicate with these guys the same way you were used to. So if anyone adapted yeah. to that, it's Chuck Martin. Like he's, he's been yeah. a good coach in the Mac for a little while now. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll add, so they, from March of 2020 up until June, I think June 1st of 2021, they couldn't, there couldn't be any in-person contact with, with recruits. So they couldn't, see these guys in uh, camps or anything like that. I, that's huge. I think we're finally getting out of that. But I think that's bigger. Um, I think I, I I agree. I think that's bigger for the Mac than any other than any other conference. Yeah, because you you know the, we have to find the diamonds in the rough, right? We can't just go after these five four stars like every other school can, and we can't just throw ample amount of NIL money, which we'll talk about the NIL in the next episode. But we can't just do that. You know, we have to. It, it, it has to be on merit, it has to be on culture, and it has to be on development um, and playtime. And that's the way you recruit yep. and develop and win in the MAC. So that, that's that's why I asked you that question, Connor, because it's you know it's it, you know they're four years removed from a MAC championship game, just like you know Central was, but Central's been closer at a MAC championship game than Miami of Ohio. So. If they, what if they don't make a bowl game? What do you think about that? Any, does it affect anything or no? I don't think it's a possibility. I'm going to be real. I don't <laughs> think there's any world that exists where Miami Ohio doesn't make a bowl game this year. Okay. Okay. All right, Benji, round it out in the East. No one circles the wagons like the oh. Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Um, no balls. Bulls in this game. Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I try that um, one more? Can we try does, that one more time? Does Buffalo even is, is Buffalo Midwest? Do we count that area of New York as Midwest? I, it, it, I, that's why we're not Midwest podcast. We're Great Lakes podcast. Mm, correct. Bu- Buffalo is definitely not. Midwest. Hey, they're right on the blue cheese well, thing though. They kind of act, they, they they act like they're from. That's the Midwest, what I'm saying. That, hey, but that's that's why I, our podcast is called Great Lakes. Because they are touching a great lake. Uh, I guess you're right. They're on Lake Ontario. Yeah, true. Um, so my brain thinks a little bit. Know. I think a little bit. <laughs> hey, hey, start with the no, no one circles their wagons. Right. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bulls. Right. Yep. So Buffalo Bulls heading into year um, three under Mold Linguist. You know, I remember. I'm a. I'll be honest. I'm a Michigan fan. Boo. Fan. Boo. We're, we're a Mac Michigan. podcast. Yeah, love the Mac and Michigan <laughs> football. But uh, <laughs> 2021, Jim, when Jim Harbaugh, uh, the fans, not me, but other fans were putting him on the hot seat. He hired Mo Linguist. I believe they've shared the same agent to be the co-DC and quarterbacks coach. An incredible recruiter. Um, just one of the top recruiters. Has a lot of connections to the Metroplex. In um, Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area, where there's a, a lot of talent. Uh, coach for the Cowboys in Texas A&M previously. 
Then uh, Lance Leipold went and took the job after spring practice for um, Kansas. And uh, Jim Harbaugh helped Mullins with that job. You know, just from the, from hearing interviews, this guy's a superstar. I think he's going to be moving on up on here here soon. I think Buffalo has done a, done a great job since they joined the MAC. I think that 2000, 1999, 2000, when Marshall left, um, they're my, one of my, I think they're my dark horse for the, to win the division in the East. Um, I know they return the quarterback, Cole Snyder, I believe he was a Rutgers transfer uh, last year. Over 300, 3,000 yards passing, 18 touchdowns. Um, you know, they were able to win their bowl game against Georgia Southern. So I'm I'm expecting a big year for Mo Inglis in his third year. Um, I, I, I'm gonna just interject real quick. I would say uh, the Buffalo Bulls being in the conference less than uh, Kent State and Akron is they have more MAC titles than they do in the past 20 years. But uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, and I think they benefit too. Sorry, from, Ak- sorry. Uh, Akron won one in 05. I'm in Kent State. Yeah, yeah. I think they benefit from a different recruiting footprint. I think there's there's talent in the New England area, and it, they're not just competing in Michigan and Ohio and Illinois for recruits. Uh, I think they benefit a little bit from that. Um, love their uniforms, great uniforms. Um, to to go think, to, to go on top of your recruiting thing with Buffalo, and I'm glad you brought that up. You have to look at the teams that they go against, you know, in state. So you you know, we talked about Miami, Ohio, Akron, Kent, and then Ohio. They have to go against Ohio State. They have to go against Cincinnati. You know, you look at Northern Illinois. They have to go against Illinois, Northwestern. Um, you look at Ball State. They have to go against Indiana, Purdue. You know, CMU, Western, Eastern. They have to go against Michigan, Michigan State. Buffalo has no dominant, dominant uh, Power Five school to go against. Yeah, I mean, I mean even that's... they they're they're competing against UConn, um, well, no. Boston College, Syracuse. Syracuse. Like Syracuse. Syracuse is the big one that they have to go against, but Syracuse and it's not a big one, yeah. really. I mean, they've got for, history. Purple ball. Yeah, they've got history with Donovan McNabb, but they don't like. Yeah, you, you don't you don't think of Syracuse as a football school. Yeah, they, I think in the New England and New York states, this kind of it's it's broader topic, but. I think they're mo- more basketball centric, especially in the Big East. Yeah, I, um, but there's they still play football there, and there's football talent, um, but it just doesn't get the recognition. And you can find a lot of and, talent and there. And they play yeah. Western Michigan. Syracuse does. Yeah, and when I'd love to see that game, and that's something I'll you know, we'll talk about conference realignment, but maybe Syracuse into the MAC at some point. Anyways. <laughs> um, We'll we'll talk about that in the next episode, but but to touch more on Benji's point though is, um, like I said, Syracuse is the only team in New York that they have to compete against. You know, you have the biggest you have the biggest city in in the United States in New York in your state. You can easily be like, hey, do you, would you rather be a backup at Syracuse or start at Buffalo? You know, it's very easy to recruit at. Bu- I feel like it's easier to recruit at Buffalo than it is any other Max school. Due to competition, you know, it's the only school that doesn't have to compete with other MAC schools, um, and it has no real big Power Five school. So, I love to see where 
their coaching staff goes this year. I hope they improve. And I think, and like you said, I think they're a dark horse for real. And especially in the MAC East, I think the MAC East is wide open. There is no, you know, there is no Toledo. There is no. I, I think the MAC West is much harder to win than the MAC East. Um. So mm-hmm. I'd be absolutely. I'd. I'd Love the love the dark horse pick with Buffalo there, but last thing we need to talk about is the recap of the NFL draft and undrafted free agents and who we think will have the biggest impact and or just make the roster. Because if you undraft and you make the roster, that's a dream come true. If you get drafted, that's a dream yeah. come true. So Benji, list everyone who got yeah. drafted. So um, NFL draft started. We had a decent amount of guys. I believe uh, looks like we had eight guys. Drafted, uh, if I'm doing my math correctly. Actually, seven guys drafted. Um, started with Sidney Cell, O-line for MAMU, the Patriots in the fourth round. Carl Brooks and Edge um, Bowling Green to the Packers in the sixth. Zaire Barnes, uh, linebacker, Western Michigan to the Jets in the sixth. Jose Ramirez, a D-line from Eastern to the Bucks in the sixth. Lou Nichols. Running back, CMU, to the Packers in the seventh. Nick Jones, DB, Ball State, to the Chiefs in the set, seventh. And uh, DeJuan Johnson, D-line Toledo, was uh, mis- went to the Rams. I was a Mr. Relevant, uh, last pick of the draft in the seventh round. Then uh, we had a couple undrafted free agents. A couple guys I noticed that I think uh, have a chance to make their teams at the practice squad. Zach Morton. The Lions from Akron, Joe Wilson to the Saints, tight end from CMU, Thomas Income from uh, CMU to the Broncos. I believe a couple, I, I, I know Income, I think, uh, I think had a promise, and that's why I didn't get drafted to go to the Broncos. I think out of, I don't know what you guys think, but um, I, I think all the guys that got drafted will make their teams. I'm especially high on, um, Carl Brooks is a stud, and so is Lou Nichols. I think they're going to make it. The Packers and pick a three-man roster and have have deep, really good impacts, or big impacts. The Sean Johnson, I think, will make the Rams, um, and then I think Tom Sincombe is going to make the Broncos. Uh, shout out to to all of our Denver Broncos fans, aka uh, Vernon Benjamin. I know he's not going to be listening. He's not going to be listening. We'll, but we'll send him a Broncos. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll send him a clip. We'll tag him. He's not a Broncos fan. He's a Russ fan. Okay. He's a whoever's oh. winning today fan. All right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's yes. a he's a Toledo Rockets fan. <laughs> and he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I believe. Look, out of any of these oh. guys that we're talking about who got drafted, Carl Brooks really stands out. That's I, I am yes. shocked. I'm a little appalled, honestly, that. He made it to the sixth round and went to the Packers. So, of course, he's got to play the Lions. That dude's making the roster, and that dude's going to end up being a starter. I I have no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, When it comes to the undrafted guys, some of the big ones, uh, a lot of teams had three guys, but Ohio actually had four. So that's kind of cool. But uh, big guys, Thomas Zincoom, I think he had that promise too because he should have been drafted. But that's a guy I could see making 53 at worst. He's going to end up on the practice squad. Uh, Justin Marshall landed in a pretty good situation with the Falcons where they don't really have an established fourth receiver. Guy could sneakily make that roster. If not, he's definitely landed on a practice squad. 
but the last one, Dylan Deathrage, uh, maybe maybe another name of the year candidate. But he showed out at Western, and I think he actually can play a pretty good guard. So he went to the Houston Texas uh, Houston Texans. I think he's going to be a practice squad guy who's eventually going to be a backup. You always need those offensive linemen who come in and play that backup role with how many injuries we have happen. Yeah, he's going to get some playing time. Yeah, you took you took one of my guys who I was going to say that's going to make the roster, and uh, that's Justin Marshall for my Falcons. Uh, they, like you said, I mean, you hit it on the head. They're, they're very weak at the uh, receiving core. I think he'll make it. Uh, Thomas Nkum, I think, is going to make it too. Um, he, he was just a monster at Central. I think he got, what, 10, 10 sacks last year? Yeah. Um, he dominated that Buffalo game. Yeah. I remember in – it was unblockable. Yeah. Um, Gunner Oaks, too, from Eastern. I think he's going to make the Falcons as well. Um, he's a great run blocker. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of these guys are – it's system fits, right? That They wouldn't sign him to a practice squad unless they fit the system. And Gunner Oaks is a very good uh, blocking tight end. And all the Falcons are going to do this year is just run the ball. They're just going to – look at last year. I know it's not an NFL podcast, but as a Falcons fan, i got to share it. Uh, they were down four touchdowns to the Bengals, and you would think, oh, maybe we'll throw the ball to try to come back in the game. No, they just kept running it and running it and running it and running it. And they used their first-round pick on Bijan Robinson. And so what they're going to do is they're just going to use Gunnar Oaks in a three-tight end set and run the ball. And so, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a tight end that blocks or a tight end that receives. You make, you make it to the NFL. You make it to the NFL. So I think he's going to make it. I uh I love the Dylan Deathridge uh, name, but I also, you know, when I was doing some research about a month ago on this linebacker from Toledo Rockets, I like his name just because it's kind of another, it's kind of a um, word association name with another Toledo Rocket, Deontay Johnson, <laughs> but the linebacker. Yep. Not a receiver this time. You know, Deontay Johnson, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast. You know, great receiver for the Steelers. But Deontay Johnson going to the Giants, um, I think he can make the roster. I also just want him to make it, too, for two Deontay Johnsons from the MAC. That would be la- great. That would be. But my last my last um, person I think that will make it is um, Carlos Carrier to the Giants. Um, the Giants, again, you know, I know this is another scene you got a little biased, but the Giants have a terrible receiving core as well. You know, they drafted Jalen Hyatt. Um, but, you know, Carlos Carrier came from – he transferred from Maryland to CMU, and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to pick up the slack. And, you know, he had a couple injuries and just didn't produce. But I think the talent's still there. And, again, it's all about system. It's all about need. And Giants need receivers. So, I could, so everyone that we mentioned, I think we can all see them – making the NFL roster. Not necessarily, you know, being the next big thing, like Max Crosby or Cleo Mack, but you make it, you make it. That's better than 99% of anyone else out there. Exactly. And I'll I'll give a couple honorable mentions. I don't think either of these guys are going to end up on the 53, nor are they going to make practice squad with the team that they're practicing with right now. But for Cincinnati Bengals, they signed Mack Hippenhammer, which is a fantastic name. He's out of Miami. Oh, and I like him, but where are you going to play, right? The Bengals, how many receivers do you need? <laughs> you know, uh, he's a guy who's probably going to catch on with another team. And I also, you know, central bias here, but Joel Wilson on the Saints, I don't see him making that roster, but he's someone who's going to land on a practice squad for a while. They are very weak at tight end there. They you are. Know, they had uh, Jawan Johnson, I think, was their tight end there last year, and he's not. He didn't even play tight end in college. Yeah. He was a. 
mm-hmm. yeah, receiver. Yeah, I mean, he. So again, you know, it's these are all. I mean, that's why undrafted free agents are you know big. They get to pick who they need. And um, one more I'll mention, and I just like his name from the Ohio Bobcats, Kai Sizer, Caesar. However you say, I hope it's Kai Sizer. That's a hell of a name. I love it. But defensive line of Baltimore Ravens. You know, uh, Harbaugh, the younger Harbaugh brother. He he, he knows. John Harbaugh knows defense, and he knows the and he knows the Mac. and he knows the Mac. Western Michigan alum. Yes, and so that's another yeah, that's another coach we've got to mention. But if if he's picking you up undrafted, he sees something in you, and I think Kai Sizer is gonna. I think he's going to make the roster. Hey, and if you want to come on our podcast and let me know how you say your name, please do. <laughs> uh, but that's – I'm going to say that's it for undrafted and who we think is all going to make the rosters. Um, to end today's podcast, I'd like to ask both of you guys, n- give me your favorite memory as a CMU fan. Only one. You, yeah, I know it's tough, but g- only give me one. Okay. I, I'll go first. I um, – I remember that 2006 CMU first game we played Boston College, and we took uh, Matt Ryan was quarterback for BC, and we took him to the brink, almost won. We started a true freshman quarterback um, at quarterback with Dan Lefevre. We didn't win the game, but um, that catapulted us, uh, Brian Kelly's last year, to um, the um, to win the match. Joe Staley. Dan Bazoon, I remember. I remember we had a running back. The name slipped my memory, but I believe he passed away. Um, oh, it wasn't uh, um, uh, the Colts guy. No. Yes, he went to the Colts. Um, rest in peace. I forgot his name. Um, Are you guys talking about Titus Davis? No. Okay. No. Completely missed that. Running back. Um, running back. Zerline Tipton. Yeah. Yes, Zerhan Tipton was running back. Great year. Uh, that was last year for Brian Kelly. That was probably my favorite year. I remember won the Max title, won the Motor City Bowl, I believe, and great year. So, I don't know. I was just say, <laughs> I don't think that was. I don't think Zerlon Tipton was on that team. We can cut that. Oh, out. he wasn't. No, we can cut that out. We're gonna have to cut, we'll cut so much out. from that. We're, okay. we're gonna cut that out. Um, but so you said you love the the Boston College, the Boston yes. yeah Boston College CMU game, Connor. Yep. Give me your favorite moment. Oh man, it's my favorite moment, but it's also kind of a heartbreak. Night before Christmas, right? And it was CMU oh. against Western Kentucky in the 2014 oh, Bahamas Bowl. And oh my Worst god, two point call of all time. But oh, look, you god. look at the whole game and what happened. Cooper Rush was cooking best backup in the NFL right now but he was throwing touchdowns left and right high scoring game I believe it was 48 to 49 but man he was connected with Titus Davis constantly awesome for comeback. three touchdowns big comeback and even though the last second lateral didn't quite get us there man it, it was just what a it game no it, no the lateral got us in the yeah touchdown. but we missed it the two point well yeah and that was a terrible two point conversion call I mean it yeah, I'm gonna go a little in depth on and why I think it is, and we can interject on this. But you lose. Titus Davis got injured on that play. He got injured on yep, that touchdown on the lateral play. play. 
on the lateral play. Yeah, so how are you going to run a jump ball to not your best receiver, the guy that got you there? I don't understand the the play call there. Yeah, Danny, you know, so I'm looking at you. Um, I just, His last play call ever. Yeah, well, you see everywhere else he went, why he didn't succeed, and it's that one play call that should have showed everyone how bad he was as a coach. But, yeah, it... it He's horrible. That sucked. That I mean, that comeback was awesome. The hype for that was awesome. It just that sucked as a that was a terrible two point call. It literally doing you could have, he could have done a quarterback sneak, and I would have said that's a better play call than what he did because it made no sense. It's like it's like trying to throw a jump ball to the Lions when Calvin Johnson was out. That's what it was like. Yeah, you don't do it's, it. I hate that play call. You know that that happens a lot. I feel like. Shut. Where they, they teams throw fade, I just hate the play call. Unless you're throwing to Calvin Johnson or somebody like that that you trust, like it's just a stupid play call. Shout out to uh, Courtney Williams who was on that team as well. Uh, played a uh, um, basketball against him at the sack, and uh, he dunked on me. So shout out Courtney <laughs> claim Williams to fame. for love it. Yeah, that's my claim to fame. Is I got dunked on by Courtney Williams who I, was he wearing Nike Elites? Uh, no, I was though. Actually, he might have been too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he dunked on me. They threw an oop, and I went up on it, and he dunked, and he dabbed me up. He said thanks for he said thanks for trying to play defense. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a compliment, and it probably was an insult. But you know, I was a freshman. Who cares? Um, my favorite moment. Oh, it's tough. I've got an honorable mention that I'm gonna say just because I tweeted it out, and I have to say it. I'm gonna say the honorable mention. But 2007 was my first ever uh, college football game. I went to see CMU against Clemson, and Clemson absolutely walked the dog all over CMU. But I got to see Antonio Brown and J.J. Watt catch passes in a game. Who can say that? I don't think anyone in the world can say that they've seen J.J. Watt and Antonio Brown catch a football in the same game. And if you have... Please tell me. I want to see where J.J. Watt caught an uh, interception against Antonio Brown as a receiver. But uh, that was the first ever game I went to. My mother's a CMU alum. And, what was the score of that game? Uh, 77 to 14, Clemson. Hey, we got 14. Yeah, we got 14 in the first half. Terry Brown was running up the court. His ass was getting fired. Yeah, Terry Brown needed to keep his job, so... That's why he ran the score up. But I would say probably my favorite ever CMU football moment. It's tough. There's a lot. Honestly, there's actually quite a few. I would probably say the fact we got to the MAC championship game in 2019. That yeah. that atmosphere at the stadium, all of our friends tailgating outside the stadium. It was cold. It was very, very cold. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're we're tailgating a game starting at eight thirty nine AM in Detroit, December third. I think the high that day was thirty two as a high. Yeah, I didn't bring gloves. Yeah, you did not bring gloves. Um rookie mistake. I'll upload I'll upload the picture on our Twitter of our tailgate and of all of our friends and stuff like that. But that was that was a game that was like that was a game that I was like, Maction's real. You know, we love Maction. Not that it's just our team, but we saw a lot of Miami of Ohio fans there. And 
you know, we saw a lot of CMU people that were there. And it was one of those where it's like, this is, you know, as we go through, you know, as, as we went through college, there were game, you know, Connor, Benji, you, bo- you, buy, you guys can both join in on this where we've seen games where the stadium was 50% empty. Right. Oh, like yeah, more it's than just, that. It, yeah, it's an unfortunate reality of the Mac. It really is. It really is. And and I wouldn't even say the Mac. I would say some low level. I mean, look at Vanderbilt. Right. Look at Northwestern. You know. Look at look at these lower power five schools. Look at Rutgers. You know. Look at these lower power five schools. They they struggle with the. T- look at Maryland, Connor, in your backyard. They struggle with attendance. Um, but I just it seeing seeing the turnout for CMU for, you know, two years after graduating college there and all my friends there and we're all, you know, bleeding maroon and gold. And it, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Coming from a town at that time, you know, coming from Atlanta where my last title was the year I was born and being known as the 28 to three choke job, um, you know, seeing a title in person, seeing a chance at a title in person, is awesome. It's it's one of the great it's one of the great sports feats yeah. in the world, and and I truly hope every school that we mentioned. I hope Akron fans get to see a title soon. I hope Kent State fans get to see a title soon. And, you know, I hope everyone gets to see it because the euphoria you have when your team is playing there, you think you're on top of the world. Nothing ruins your day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nothing ruins your day. You know, you could say, you know, I could have got hit by a car. I would have walked right into that stadium and been like, I'm a million dollars. And, we're going to win today. Yeah, and even though CMU lost, even though we lost, it's still one of my favorite memories because of just the memories. And I'll always have that the rest of my life, even if, yeah. unless I get dementia. But let's hope I don't. Um, but with that with that being said, we got to wrap up the podcast. You know, we went a little long, but, you know, it's our first podcast. You know, it's the pilot. We, we want to show everyone that we've got the content, that we – the passion, uh, the maction – and everything like that. So the action. I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast today. Remember to like, subscribe, retweet, share on social media. If you have any comments, want to talk to us, Northern Illinois fans, I know why I was talking a little, being a little hard on you guys, but hey, slide in my DMs. Let's go at it. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about everything. If you DM any of us, we'll talk about on the next podcast. You know, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about on the next episode. If if any of us said anything that pissed you off or you just want to argue, slide in my DMs. Yeah. I'm always I'm always ready to talk football. We love it. Um I'll, I'll- so, thank you guys. Thank you everyone for listening. See you on the next episode.